Good evening, LCM. Tonight is Thursday, January 18th, 2024. And the title of tonight's message is Fire for Effect. Say that with me, Fire for Effect. As we are briskly moving through the first month of the year, it's good to know we've hit the ground running with a confidence of knowing where we're going. Saints, wasn't Sunday such a blessing? I mean, these weeks are flying by, but, but a word like that you will remember for the rest of this year and hopefully for the rest of your life. Hammer and Anvil Tactics directed us on so many levels and we'd like to take a brief, brief moment to share with you what our uh, appreciation uh, for that, for our personal takeaways, and then we'll jump right into the word for tonight. Amen. So, Sound Booth, can you throw that slide up? Thank you. Hey, man, I'm not sure about you guys, but uh, that was an amazing word on Sunday. I had zero knowledge of the hammer and anvil attacker tactic, and it made perfect sense. That's exactly how the devil operates. And we left off here uh, on Sunday. And the good thing is, it's not how the devil op operates only. It's also how the Lord operates. Yeah. And so Exodus 6, 1 through 3 says, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. The question was, how will this be accomplished? Verse 2 says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord Yahweh. Yeah. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, I will make myself known to them through the hammer and anvil tactic that is the character of God. Amen. So where do you think the devil got that from? He sees our God doing the hammer and anvil tactic in a, a righteous way. He tries to steal it and, and pervert it. And so the hammer is Yahweh. I am God. I'm the God who keeps his covenantal promises. Amen to that. And the anvil is El Shaddai. It is I am the God. I am the God who is enough to carry you into those promises despite your inability. Say amen to that. Amen. Despite your inability. Come on. Wasn't it wasn't it exciting to know that Adonai is sovereign over it all? That, that hammer and anvil tactic, whether it's internal or external, whether it's something that we, we can see the enemy, we can see that opposition that we're facing, we can know that God is over that and he will use it for his goodness and his glory. You, you can almost hear the Lord saying, hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I revealed myself in the past to your ancestors, but I didn't reveal them in this way. Watch what I'm about to do. The hammer and anvil tactics from God's perspective is that he keeps his covenantal promises and he is more than enough to carry us into those promises despite our own inabilities. So whether we're facing internal or external opposition, God has proven to be unmoved and is in fact determined to accomplish his purposes. Can I get an amen? Yeah. As we're preparing to jump into the scripture, We'd like to share with you all about another aspect of warfare and carry this theme a little further. So we're going to talk about an enemy ambush, okay, and what the proper response would be. An ambush is a coordinated attack on an unexpected target. It is designed to both surprise and eliminate the enemy from concealed positions. 
There is only one response that can prove to be successful, saints. That is to identify the direction of fire and push through the kill zone. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no other successful way. That is the only successful way. You identify the fire and then you push through the kill zone so that you're not sitting there hunkering down. You don't find yourself retreating. You blast your way out and you move forward. Come on. This concept and practice is pivotal when engaging in, in spiritual warfare. Saints, when you get hit with a surprise attack, because let's face it, there are times where we've got our focus elsewhere. We've got a mission. We're moving, and all of a sudden we get slammed from the side, and it, and it, it shocks us. There's a shock factor. The key is that we don't get stuck in that shock factor. We don't hunker down and, and just hope for salvation we turn and we make an offensive on where that fire is coming from. Our engagement from Sunday and our personal study this week will help give clear direction for how to deal with internal and external ambushes. Amen. So before we get into that, there's a, a concept I want to, uh, to talk to you guys about, and I think it's going to tie it together. And uh, as we're going through the message, it'll make sense. And so um, when I was in basic training, you know, basic training, the very basics of combat back in 1999. Oh, my God. That's before some of you were born. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a tactic called, uh, say again? Yeah. <laughs> it was called shoot, move, communicate. Shoot, move, communicate. And so what that looks like is, like, uh, like Paul said, if we're getting ambushed, we're taking fire. I'm going to lay down suppressive fire. I'm going to shoot back at the enemy so they'll stop shooting back at us. As I'm doing that, Paul begins to move. That, that, that suppressive fire clears the way for Paul to move and make, make headway to advance, to maneuver. As Paul's doing that, he's not quiet. He's, he's letting me know he's moving. Moving! Moving! And when he gets there, he tells me that he's, I'm set. He lets me know where he's at. And when he gets there, he prepares himself. He, we switch roles. He begins laying down suppressive fire and not moving. I'm moving. When I get there, I let him know I'm set. I'm set. And we're constantly leapfrogging back and forth, advancing on the enemy's position. Isn't that so exciting? I mean, you can picture Jonathan and his armor bearer. It, he doesn't even have a sword for crying out loud. He picked one up along the way, but he was moving right along with Jonathan, slaying the enemy. And when you think about this tactic, right, you hear the key there is that communication. And you're not staying still. You're, when you're covering fire, that is only for a moment until your brother gets up and, and gets in his fixed position so that he can cover for you and then you can maneuver. So... Let's talk about some, uh, some areas where you might come under attack. Let's talk about some internal and external ambushes. The first that came to mind for us is the best and brightest among us are entering into new lands, which means they're leaving the current land that they're in. I felt that one a little bit. This is, this is what rises up inside of me. Who's next? Who's, who's going to fill that void? This is what com comes along with it in my flesh. I'm disqualifying myself to say I'm not able to do what my brothers have done. Your God is able. Not, not he God. is able. Worse than that, I may look at my brothers and say, they're not able to do what, what these other brothers have done. 
these are disqualified. This is, this is not from the Lord. This is an internal ambush that we set on ourselves. What about the trepidation in taking on new responsibilities? I mean, there's all kinds of things that swirl around with that. I don't want to do this. I'm already doing it in this area. I don't, I don't want to serve in this area. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it as effective as this other person. Or maybe I'm not going to meet that expectation of what was there before. We're going to rise up. We're going to fire through this internal ambush. That's, that's some internal ambushes that are happening uh, in our hearts and minds in this house, if we're honest. And at the same time, simultaneously, external ambushes are happening. And that's that two-prong attack, that hammer and anvil attack. And so that could look like uh, mounting pressures at work, more, more responsibility being placed on you, uh, tighter deadlines. Look, Mar uh, Martin's raising his hand. Uh, tighter deadlines. It could look like managing the actual shalom in your own home oh. while you're trying to wrestle with these internal things there's extra you know I don't, I don't need this right I'm, I'm dealing with a lot right now and what i don't need is this going on this chaos in my home what, i hey, just amen. got home we're, we're, we're the right men for the job <laughs> I'm, I'm typing the last bit of this message right now in the back and my son is being brought into me to be disciplined true story that could feel like an external ambush but we know exactly what to do in those situations. Amen. Hey, what about unexpected illnesses? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, if you've been in LCM for any more than a month, you should not be caught off guard. But sometimes you might find yourself grumbling at these quote-unquote unexpected illnesses. And how about this? As we are uh, on the precipice of this great expansion, the greatest expansion that our community has ever been a part of, how about when we are dealing with financial trials? I mean, we could just go around the room for days talking about that. But praise God, we are learning how to shoot, move, and communicate through these ambushes. So we've identified a few internal and external ambushes that are prevalent in our day-to-day -day life. But we're sure that you've probably identified some of your own. Let's talk about returning fire. Amen. Amen. We're going to shoot back. <laughs> That's right. Don't just stand there. Shoot back. Come on. That reminds me of, uh, you guys ever seen uh, the movie We Were Soldiers? Yeah. And there was uh, the, the sergeant major who was epic, and the guy's like, Sergeant Major, they're shooting at us. He says, well, shoot back. Yeah. So we're going to shoot back today. We know where it's coming from. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And as you go there, say, fire for effect. It says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees are just are, are tag teaming Jesus. Yeah. First, it was the Pharisees questioning Jesus about rendering uh, taxes unto Caesar. And then after that, the Sadducees are questioning him about if a woman's married multiple times, 
whose wife is, is she in the resurrection? And they don't even believe in the resurrection. Yeah. And then you have the Pharisees asking Jesus, okay, with a guy who, who's, who's a, a master of the law, which is the greatest commandment? They're constantly trying to trap him. It's almost like a two-pronged attack going on right there. Yeah. And the question is, how does Jesus respond in this moment? He doesn't shrink back, but he charges headlong, straight into the fight. He tells them, there are two commandments to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it to love your neighbor or love your brother as yourself. The interesting thing is that He says all, not some, all of the law and the prophets, they hang on these two commands. So think about this. In Jesus' time, there was not yet a newer testament written. It was just the older testament, the Tanakh. And he's saying that all of the law and all the prophets hang on these two commands. That's that's majority of scripture. It hangs on these two commands. And even in your Bibles today with the Newer Testament there, majority of the scripture is still the Older Testament. And majority of that is the law and the prophets. It's pretty significant, wouldn't you say? And even still, those two commands, it all boils down to loving your brother. Because the Pharisees and Sadducees, they weren't being loving towards Jesus. Their goal was was to trap him. In his words, their goal was to disqualify him. The goal was to, in some way, discredit him. And so Jesus proved that they did not only love him, Jesus, they didn't love the Lord either. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. Say fire for effect as you turn there. 1 John 4, verse 20 says, if anyone says, I love God. And hates his brother, he is a liar. For who does not love his, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him: whoever loves God must also love his brother. So this is why Assad said it really boils down to loving your brother. Because you can't say that you love God and hate your brother. You can't say that you love God and neglect your brother. The first thing that we do in returning fire is we demonstrate love for our brother. You know what that means? You have to actually turn your attention to your brother to see what he needs. You have to be ready to sacrifice for your brother. Can you see how this shoot, move, and communication is so key on having right relationship with your brother? Look, if I'm getting ambushed, literally, if I'm getting shot at, and I just get up and I just start running through, say, yeah, I'm going to run through the target, and I don't have anybody covering me, I'm a fool. If, if I just sit there and just keep shooting, and I'm not communicating with my brother, who's going to be moving and advancing on the enemy? Nobody. Saints, this is key to our success. This is key to more than just surviving, but thriving in the kingdom. When we're talking about firing for effect, and we're talking about returning effective fire on the enemy, you must demonstrate that by your love for your brother. You can't love God and hate your brother. It's that simple. John 15 in verse 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Now, I've talked about this before, 
I know many people who have this scripture tattooed on them, and it's talked about how it's a you know military scripture, and 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 men in the military demonstrate that the most. That's not true. Men in the kingdom of God demonstrate that the most. You men sitting out in this room, Daniel Cho, you demonstrate that more than men in the military. Damon, you demonstrate a love for your brother, laying down your life better than men in this secular military around us. Look, God is love. And he has demonstrated his love by sending his son to lay down his life for us. He said, I am doing this for you as friends. I am your friend. And God has given us the ability to come into relationship with one another through Christ. Let's face it. How many of us would be here right now if it wasn't for our love for the Lord? How many of us wouldn't be here if we didn't demonstrate our love for the Lord by loving for our brother? We would, we would be gone out the door if we didn't show our love by loving our brother and looking over offenses. By loving one another, we reflect, uh, we are reflecting his character. There's no better way to show that you love your brother than by sacrificing yourself for him. Amen. Jesus displayed this principle, this command, and this love expertly, and we are learning to do the same. Amen. Let's so, talk about what it means as we're returning fire to cover our brothers. Amen. As we get there, what I remember upon first stepping into, into our church, it was, I couldn't see your tangible love for the Lord yet. What I did see physically is your tangible love for each other. Yeah. I saw that when the service was over, everyone hung around. No one was quite going home yet. You know, uh, in my previous experiences, everyone would beat to the door and go to the parking lot and get out of here, go get some food or whatnot. And everyone's coming and hugging you and wanting to know who you are and saying hello. People are genuinely excited, genuinely happy to be around one another and happy and excited to meet you. And so that love for one another was the first thing I saw. And it's what drew me to our body. And as, as, as the days go on, you start seeing that love for each other, how that is displayed in your love for the Lord as well. But first, you must love your brother. And you must cover them. And so another militaristic uh, tactic that we've seen, are, it's called intersecting lines of fire. And what that, look like, what that looks like is if I'm firing, my sector of fire might be from Grace down to Marlin. That's all I can cover right here. And as my brother standing next to me, Paul's line of fire is from Abimbola back to Rick Lawhon. And so there's an intersection there. We're covering the entire array of, of the body. And so, but we're, we're doing it for our brothers. We're covering for them. Yeah. And that's what we must do. When it's, it's not about us alone. It's about covering for our brother. As I'm covering for Paul, Paul's covering for me. Amen. And we're doing that in a 360 manner around the entire church. Amen. So go with us to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And as you go there, say fire for effect. Fire for effect. It says this, <clears throat> above all. Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Amen. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
To him be, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. amen. So, amen. Love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. Not a minute, a multitude of sins love covers. I mean, look what the Lord did toward us. His love toward us covered every single sin. And so we restore our brother in love. If we got a brother who falls into a sin, our job isn't to, to, to berate him or to kick him while he's down. On, on a battlefield, there's no time for that. If, if, we're, if, we're, if we're maneuvering, if we're moving and, and Paul slips and trips, I can't start to berate Paul for his mess up. I want him to get up and keep charging. I need him to yeah. get up and keep charging. And so that's what we need to do for each other. We, time is over for that. Yes. We're, we're more mature than that in, the, in this body. Yeah. We're going to help our brothers out. Yes. I, I want to I just hit, hit that a little bit more. Think about the importance of that. What good does it do anybody when we're, when we're talking about, and we know as a body, we are engaged in spiritual warfare, right? We're, we're going after these hammer and anvil tactics. We're facing ambushes. What good does it do when a brother slips and makes a mistake and he sins to, to beat him while he's down? What good does that do anybody? Say, why would we do that? It's our own flesh that gets in the way. Saints, we are responsible to cover over our brothers. Yeah. We are responsible to lift them yeah. up. Galatians 6.1 says to restore yeah. your brother gently so that you too don't fall into sin. We are moving at a pace, saints. We are, we are learning what it looks like to fire for effect. We don't have time for that. And I'm proud to say I'm coming up on seven years in this body. Amen. Seven years. In four days. And I am proud to say the growth and the maturity that's happened in my own life. And as I look around, seeing my brothers in this area, it's incredible. Because we're realizing there's no time for that. It's not effective. It's not, it's not godly. It's not showing love to my brother. I am looking around and seeing brothers get back up quickly and keep moving forward. The gifts that you have are to serve others. God hasn't given us. This is what we were getting from 1 Peter 4, he didn't give us these gifts to serve ourselves. He gave us these gifts to serve each other, and we're using it as good stewards, and, and we're covering one another with those gifts. Amen. Verse 11 says, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We are doing this in the strength that the Lord has given to us. It's not easy in those difficult times when you, when you are, are faced with an ambush that just caught you off guard to look at your brother, to look at him in the eyes, and to build him back up and call out who he is. I've been in that position. It's not the easiest thing to do, and it's what's right, and it's what produces uh, faithfulness in the kingdom. We're going to talk about, in Romans 12, verse 9, we're going to talk about a fixed value of our brother. So as you go there, say fire for effect. Fire for effect. So we're still, we're still shooting. We ain't got to moving and communicating yet. We're still laying down fire. And we're learning it's all about laying down fire for our brothers, not trying to preserve our life. We're giving up our lives for our brothers. Yeah. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine. Amen. Amen. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Yeah. Outdo one another in showing honor. Come on, come on. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. 
contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So honor one another above yourselves. Don't think of yourself as lower than others. We are, we're not, we're not preserving our own life. We want to build our brother up. We're in the the years of build the body, building the body up. And we can't do that by being self-seeking and self-serving. We want to see our brothers. I want to see Daniel Cho get get, uh, get married. I want to see Daniel Cho get married. It's about time. It's going to happen. I know it is. He's a man of God. We want to build our brothers up. And so you guys may, may remember that that word uh, honor in the Greek is time, which means fixed value. We got to see our brothers that fixed value. And that, that, that flies in the face of trying to kick our brother when he's down. We want to help him up. We see him with his fixed value. Women, you see your sisters with their fixed value, no matter what it looks like in front of you right now. And so the strongest way to respond to internal and to external ambushes is to ensure that we're keeping that fixed value of our brothers and our sisters before our eyes at all times. Look, if we are, if we are and we should rightly be thinking of this, like we're on a battlefield. Keeping a fixed value is everything. Reminding our brother who they are and not seeing them as anything less is everything because we are talking about life and death. Reminding our brother who they are, re- re- reminding ourselves who our brother means to us, that means that what that looks like in the covering fire is I'm not going to get up and start ru- running before my brother has gotten to the position that he's supposed to be in. Keeping that fixed value means I'm not worried about my own life and maneuvering and getting to a safer place for myself. I'm watching my brother closely, and I'm making sure he gets to where he's supposed to be. That's keeping a fixed value on your brother. We're identifying the godly character that we see in our brothers. We're, We're abigailing our brothers constantly to keep them moving forward on the battlefield. This is a surefire way to provide covering fire for your brothers. Amen. So let's talk about maneuvering as one body. Hey, man. So just as we're going there, I got to tell you, you know, when, when, when the crap hits the fan, and it does, we, we all know in here it does, yeah. sometimes literally, the best thing is to look over and see someone smiling, to see yeah. your brother encouraging you on. In, in, the, in the most difficult situations I've been in, in my life, when a brother is there and they're, it sucks and they're smiling, whether it be in the military, whether it be in school preparing for a test, whether it be preparing for a message last night at 2 in the morning, a brother smiling and being joyful in that moment of difficulty is encouraging. It encourages the socks off of you. So it's all endeavor to be that brother that smiles, that's yeah. joyful always and praising God. Amen. So as we move into maneuvering, go with us to Joshua chapter 10, verse 12. And as you go there, say, fire for effect. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Saints, when we're engaging with this passage, you should be fired up to move. 
Joshua prayed that everything else stop and stand still so that he can keep moving and he have enough time to completely destroy the enemy. You'll remember from Joshua 7 that the Lord commanded Joshua, get up and consecrate the people. In Joshua 10, we see here a faith-filled action of Joshua speaking to Adonai and saying, sun, stand still, moon, stand still, until I have defeated every single enemy. And the Lord heard him, and the Lord listened, and the Lord made it happen for him. The faith that Joshua demonstrated in speaking to Adonai and telling the sun and the moon to stand still is incredible. We need that kind of faith to continue to rise up in this body. That's what it looks like to maneuver and to move out and to continue on this, uh, on this war front. The faith that Joshua demonstrated, um, sorry, we need this kind of faith-filled action as we're maneuvering on the battlefield. Joshua isn't found on his face crying out to God to be delivered. He's demanding more time as he partners with God in accomplishing his promise for Israel. Guys, verse 14 tells the Lord heeded the voice of a man, and the Lord fought for Israel. It wasn't what, Israel, it wasn't what the, they were able to do with themselves of their own strength. The Lord was fighting on their behalf. I mean, like, like Paul was saying, you know, this should be motivating you to move. You know when you're not motivated to move? When you're not getting shot at. I guarantee you if you get shot at, you're going to want to move. And so we all know what it means to be shot at. When shots are fired, someone, there's an attack on your family, attack in the workplace, attack on your faith. You get up and you want to move. Yeah. And so as you're taking faithful actions, Adonai will fight for you. As, as I'm moving, he, Adonai is laying down suppressive fire. He's got my back. He's covering me as I'm moving. So we were looking at Joshua's life and seeing how Joshua went on this war campaign. And he didn't stop maneuvering. He didn't stop moving and advancing forward until every objective was completed. In Joshua eleven twenty three, it says, So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments, and the land had rest from war. What we were getting from this is that Joshua fulfilled his mezuzah. He remembered what he was called to do. He remembered how he took over that position from Moses to lead the people, and he didn't stop until they completely took the land. Because Joshua walked in his mezuzah, who God uniquely made him to be, the whole land became an inheritance to Israel. Saints, we are moving out and we are taking new land. It is imperative, if you don't know what a mezuzah is or you don't have, you don't know what your mezuzah is, your purpose in God and what you were created to do, saints, it is imperative for you to know that so that you can continue to take forward steps. Joshua accomplished this through the help of Yehovah, who is salvation and what is and which is what Joshua's name means. What, what will you what will walking in your mezuzah result in? Forward movement. As I, as I reflected on this question and reflected on Joshua's life and the importance of knowing my mezuzah, it's been everything. I was all 30 minutes from here out in Katy, Elijah, and the Lord moved me all the way on to Fuerte. I'm, on, I'm, I'm right in the center of it. I've got pastors around me, and I know what my purpose is. I, I know and have made those decisions because I know what my purpose is. And I'm moving and continuing to maneuver 
Because I know what my purpose is. In Joshua 13.1, it says, Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years. And there remains yet very much land to possess. I thought we just read in, in Joshua 11 that he did accomplish everything. The truth is, he did. He walked in his purpose, and he led the people to continue to do the same. So we don't arrive at a point we, where we stop fulfilling our mezuzah. Even though, yes, we've accomplished this, and the Lord is, has, has caused us to inherit land, which all of us are doing that. We're growing in our responsibilities. We don't stop. We continue to maneuver and move forward. Amen. There is much more land to be taken. Amen. As Paul's saying that, I mean... I haven't been here for seven years. I've been here for almost five. And I've watched Paul. I know why. It doesn't seem like it. Five years. And I've watched Paul grow as he's been here. I, that was the first move I was, I was on when you were moving from uh, 99 to, uh, to Mission Bend. That was the first home move I was a part of was Paul and Grace's. And to see Paul move from that house now to Forte. I mean, you see his faith growing, his responsibility growing, his leadership growing. I see Paul walking in his mezuzah, and it's glorious. And the question was, is we see Joshua also walking in his mezuzah. What will happen if you walk in yours? Joshua walking in his resulted in the entire land of Israel being received as an inheritance. Again, what will happen if you walk in your mezuzah? No, not if. What will happen when you walk in your mezuzah? Amen. Yes, let's find out. It's going to be a good year. Amen. So let's go to Joshua chapter 17, verse, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 17, verse 17. As you go there, say, fire for effect. It says this, then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to its farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. So, guys, this is what our body and the one association is entering into this year. In the midst of this year is clearing land. We are settling in new lands, and we are settling in new lands of responsibility. Amen. It's an exciting time to be a part of our body. So it's going to take us walking in trust, grounded obedience the entire way and walking in exactly who God made us to be, walking in your mezuzah. So walking in trust, grounded obedience and walking in exactly who God made you to be is what it's going to take to take possession of all the land God has for us. Amen. So we talked about covering fire by covering your brothers with love. We talked about maneuvering by moving with a sense of purpose as one body. We're going to talk about communication, which is happening constantly throughout, throughout the battle. Communication looks like bold transparency. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 13. Say fire for effect as you turn in there. So in verse 13 it says, So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places... I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord 
who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Saints, when you're evaluating those low points in the, in the wall, the most exposed areas of your life, you can trust that you have brothers around you fighting for you, Amen. reminding you to fight for one another, to fight for your homes and to remember the Lord. Nehemiah effectively led the people to work together and, unify, and unified in their efforts. He was building trust in the community by ensuring there is communication up and down the line. If you read through Nehemiah 4, this is a, a great outline for what it looks like to bring the family of God together, to bring unity within the community, and to help them move together and work together with one shoulder. Everyone knew their place and their function because Nehemiah had assigned that to them. He was communicating and talking with them. He's saying, hey, look, if, there's, if, the, if the work uh, is getting too heavy here, we have brothers ready to, to fill in. We have brothers with swords and with spears ready to defend you. He is letting them know that in those lowest, most exposed areas, that they are going to be covered. He's communicating that to them. He is letting them know that they are prepared for every situation. That's beautiful. Uh, that military precision, when everyone knows exactly what they're supposed to do and they're executing it, they are firing on all cylinders. And that's, that's what we are, are doing, and we're endeavoring to get more and more better at it with each and every day. For every person in this body to know exactly what their role is at any given time and to be executing it with precision Amen. and with joy in their heart, praising Amen. the Lord. And so we're talking about communication, and one when way when we do that is by sharing revelation. Listen, yeah. to, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. It says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. That is so true. In our body, when we come together, we all endeavor to have a song, a hymn, a word. When we come to church on Sundays and on, on Thursdays, there's a word in tongues, an interpretation. We are surrounded by revelation. And to be honest, what more is there to talk about? We could talk about a lot of things, but what, what, what more is there to talk about besides the word of God and what God's speaking through our mouths to each other? Those are worthy words. So our communication is best displayed as we're sharing divine revelation with one another. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as we're starting to come to a close. So we talked about covering fire. We talked about maneuvering. We talked about communication. And we're going to talk about rejoicing always. In verse 16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Saints, as we are making these moves and we are fighting through our internal and external ambushes, we must continue to rejoice and to praise. We see that this is a theme in Paul's life. He's continually uh, encouraging the churches as he's writing letters, telling them to rejoice, telling them, hey, look at what I'm going through right now, and I'm still rejoicing. And I have, it's no problem for me to remind you to continue to rejoice. Saints, it's everything. As my brother said earlier, when you're going through a difficult circumstance and you have a brother come alongside you rejoicing, praising, and seeing them going through difficult circumstances and keeping that same attitude. When we do that, 
The Lord sets an ambush of his own. Let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to go to verse 22. So we rejoice sometimes. No. 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 Always. Always. When we're shooting, we're rejoicing. When we're moving, we're rejoicing. When we're communicating, we are rejoicing. Amen. So first, so Second Corinthians chapter 20. I'm sorry, Second Chronicles. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Elder. Chapter 20, verse 20. It says this, verse 18 says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They weren't quiet church mouses. They weren't scared, they weren't scared to praise their God. There's reasons to give him praise. When you're at a, a, a concert, are people, are people cheering and, 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 and singing softly? No, they are jumping up and down. They are praising their God. We're going to praise our God. Amen? So, skip down to verse 22. It says, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush. Did y'all see that? As we began to sing and praise, the Lord himself sets the ambush. Amen. So at the beginning, an ambush is being set for us. Now as we praise, we've shot, we've moved, we've communicated. We're praising the entire way through. There's joy in our hearts. There's gladness. And the Lord sets an ambush for our enemies. Against, men, against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. They won. They won. On, on, on Sunday, Pastor Judah said, what I want to leave you with is how to win. Yeah. We're, not, we're not just shooting. We're not just moving for the sake of moving and communicating, just talk. We want to win. Amen. What does that say? I want to win is our axiom, and we're going to win. Amen. Saints, as we stand to our feet to finish these last couple scriptures, we're not going to keep you too much longer. Remember where we ended on Sunday in Psalm 107 and then moving into Psalm 108. We're going to continue to praise God as we move into an offensive campaign. Psalm 108 verse 13 says, with God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. Saints, we, we recognize as we were studying the word. From Moses to Joshua, the difference in their campaigns is that Joshua's generation was moving along with the Lord and fighting alongside with the Lord, and they were continuing in their praise. It says, with God, we shall do valiantly. Saints, with God, we shall do valiantly. We are going to fire for effect with our praises. When you're firing for effect, you, that means that you know that your round has landed in the right spot and you're going to continue to drop rounds. That means we're going to continue to lift up praises to the Lord and we're going to continue to go on an offensive. We want to look at Philippians 2, 17 through 18 real quick. Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you, should, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. 
Philippians 3 1 finally my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you and Philippians 4 4 rejoice in the Lord always again I will say it to you rejoice saints as we get ready to praise and we get ready to worship remember this we are shooting we are returning fire by covering our brothers and we're covering our brothers in love we're moving we're taking faith-filled actions and walking in the purpose that God has designed for us we are communicating we are unashamed to be boldly transparent to share with our brothers both what we're wrestling with and the revelations that the Lord's revealing to us and through it all we're going to praise the living God and we're going to fire for effect Ready to praise? Yeah. Y'all ready to praise? Yeah. Amen. Lift your hands with me and praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, mighty King. We thank you for the tactics you've given us, Father God, to go on the offensive. Father God, to make progress, to fire back at our enemy, mighty King. Father, you won't leave us defenseless, Father. You are fighting on our behalf, Lord. And for that, we're going to praise you with everything we have. In Jesus' name we pray.